data gathering and using census tools. So I do want to introduce Stacy Cochran McNeil, who's a data dissemination specialist with the US Census Bureau. She provides data services, presentations, trainings and outreach for Maryland and Northern Virginia. One of her primary roles and the one that she most enjoys is showing community members how easy it is to access census data. Stacy's lived in Central Maryland and the Beltway region for over 35 years, so she's a local, which is always great. Uh, she knows our region, knows our area, and currently resides in Annapolis with her family. And before I turn it over to Stacy, what I want to just make sure that um, everyone has some um, some bearing on is what Stacy's going to present today can really be useful in a number of different ways for our grant application processes. And um, as Stacy walks through, please engage with with her. She's very um, open to questions <laughs> and, and wants to make sure that you're understanding the material and its utility in applying for not only county grants, but state grants, federal grants. The census data is immensely useful and can get us down to a community level of data that can be useful for a number of different activities, grant writing being one of them. So with, with that, I am going to turn it over to Stacy. I thank you very much. Um, esteemed, it's a lot of pressure. Um, <laughs> I just love data and I really do love talking with people um, about it and all of our tools. But yes, as uh, Megan said, please, um, when we get, I'm going to try to get us into the um, the tools right away. So please, I want you to open up a screen and play around in it, even when I'm talking. I'm a huge fidgeter, so I'm going to allow you to fidget all you want, but just do it in the tools so we're saving time. So let's go ahead. I'm going to share my screen and we're going to go ahead and get started. So I hate asking this question, but everyone can see the screen. I'm pointing like you can see my third screen. Okay, great. Thank you very much. Um, also, since we, you know, it's not, I love the size of this group. So when you have questions, raise your hand um, and Tracy will call on you um, or you can put them in the chat and we're going to just have this kind of a flow, a discussion. Um, I don't mind being interrupted. I love being interrupted. So it's not a problem at all. Okay. Um, so let's go ahead and get started. So there are over, so I'm just moving my notes over, excuse me, while I'm getting all set up. Okay, so there are over 58 different census tools. Uh, we're not going to cover all of those, um, and there's a whole bunch of them, and each of them have their usefulness. And the way I like to think about it is a toolbox. So when you are in the process of you know building something you have different tools that you're going to use and not one really is good for everything there's some that have more versatility like a hammer or something um but you're going to really find those things that you are going to work best with and that are going to work best with what you're building and i figure i feel like the best way to start is to start with the simplest tools and i feel like quick facts and narrative profiles are what are some of our simpler tools. You can get in there and get data right away. That doesn't mean that like data.census.gov, which we're gonna work on work through next week is complicated, but this just, you open this up and you have immediate data, which is just really useful and nice, especially if you have family members who are, you know, midnight starting their project that's due the next day or something, you can show them that's another really great use for it as well. Um, and so, that's why I just feel like it's important to kind of know which one is going to work 
And so we're going to talk about narrative profiles and quick facts, and they are useful for understanding your community and for creating community profiles. And like I said, we're going to, you know, uh, data.census.gov will be next week, which is going to really allow you to deeper dive into the data. Um, but these tools will give you that nice overview. Um, so hopefully that's the end of the toolbox metaphor. I can't guarantee it. I really like it. So if you hear it again, I, I do apologize ahead of time for that. But let's go ahead. And um, so we're going to today talk about, like I said, quick facts and narrative profiles. I'm going to go over, just give you an overview. We're going to talk about the data and the surveys because one of the things of learning about these tools is knowing where that data is coming from. That's really important. Um, and we're going to talk about geography and then do a couple of exercises for each of those tools. So my hope is by the end of this, you're going to feel that you can put these two tools into your grant writing toolbox. Oh, I did it again. Sorry about that. I won't mention it again. Um, but I do like I like thinking about it that way because then it really allows you to pick and choose which one's going to be appropriate um, for for which ones. So let's go ahead and. This is quick facts. So we're going to get into the tool. But before we do that, I just wanted to show you um, Tracy's going to be putting the link for it in the chat. Um, open it up, get into it, even while I'm talking. OK, because I'm going to move into it in a minute, but it will be great if you've even kind of seen it. OK, um, so this is a great way to start your data search. And like I said, it's going to be really useful for community profiles. It allows you to um, access basic population, business, geography statistics from multiple different surveys, all in one tool. And it's going to give you the that those statistics for states, counties, cities, and towns with more than 5,000 people. So that is the key. All of the tools we have have some sort of limitation slash parameter. I, limitation is a means that there's something, you know, like there's a problem. It's just a parameter. And geography is usually the thing that is that parameter. Um, so this tool also is going to give you different formats, um, table, mat, bar chart. Um, and you can look at it by clicking on the dashboard up at the top, which you can't see with that. But if you're in the tool, you can see up in the upper right hand corner, the dashboard, you can see it all at once. And it, you can um, share it, embed it, download it. And that is something I want to stop and say about all of our tools, about all of our data, anything on census.gov, it's not copyrighted, meaning you can go in there and cut and paste and screenshot it and use it um, and use it to enhance your proposals, use it to get a better understanding of what's happening in the for the people that you serve. We ask that you cite it. And I'm going to show you a great way that you can easily cite things from Quick Facts. Um, but that is um, something we do just ask that you source it. And I'm sure you've seen, you know, different. I don't want to call any newspapers or anyone out, but they'll often just say U.S. Census Bureau. Well, it's important to know what survey that's coming from. We have over 130 surveys that we do. And the primary ones are decennial, American Community Survey, um, and then our economic surveys. Um, and then we have another one called current population survey. Today, we're going to be primarily looking at American community survey with some others thrown in in quick facts. But again, 
you need to know where it's coming from. Um, it helps you be able to continue to explain how you see that that data and what that tells you about your community, but also allows people then to look at that data and replicate it and have a better understanding because our data is, is reliable, comparable, um, and that's what makes it so powerful to use in your grant applications. But the power is only as good as people know where it comes from. So that's why that's important. So I'm gonna get off that soapbox and uh, let's go ahead and get into quick facts. Um, so, like I said, Tracy put that in the link, so I'm going to stop sharing here, and I'm going to come over here, and we're going to go behind, pull this up, and there's quick facts. So, the easiest way um, to get that, so right now you're just seeing um, my the quick facts, correct? Correct. Perfect. Thank you so much. So a really easy way to get there is to simply just put quick facts into your um, search, your address um, at the top up here and just hit return. And then it's usually the first one that pops up. OK, I recommend bookmarking it. You can see I have a lot of bookmarks up here, so I do recommend bookmarking as well as well. So here we go. This is quick facts right here. And please, please, please. Open this up on your own browser so that you can follow along with me. Um, so when you come in, you immediately have data. Um, we know that with population estimates, the United States, here is our total population. I am terrible with saying how many people that is with how many numbers and everything. I always think I have to remember that. But here you can see the total. It's a whole lot of people. But this is our population estimates data. So this is, again, for the United States. So as we scroll down here, you can see we have age and sex, race and Hispanic origin, um, veteran, foreign-born, housing, um, family living arrangements. Um, hold on, I don't want to make anyone motion sick. I'm going to scroll down. Here's our business data, geography, your square footage. So this tool, because it pulls from so many different surveys, gives you so much data right here. Okay. So just as um, I want to point out again, it's important to, like I've been saying, it's important to source it, but it's also important to know where it comes from. So this is a great feature of this tool. All you do is quick click on this quick info and it tells you exactly where that piece of data came from. And so I told you there's like really great way you can source it because you can just copy it. There's your source right there. You can put right into your um, your community profile for your application. Wherever you're putting this data, you can source it right there. Here's your definition of what this data is. And this is um, really useful, definitely, when we move down here to the business. And this is coming from, I think I was looking at at least three different surveys. This one is going to be our economic, whoops, sorry, I did that wrong. Let's see, let's move back up. Oh, I see, okay. Um, here we are, I meant to click on that. This is from our annual business survey. We've got from um, our county business patterns. So just right there, it's important to really know. This one up here, our building permits, is coming from our building permit survey. So it's important that you know, and we're gonna hop out here in a minute. I'm gonna hop out to the slides and talk to you about a couple of the primary surveys that are in this, population estimates and the American Community Survey, okay? But again, I just wanted to show you this, all of this data, all of this is so useful. 
And while I am um, talking about the, the primary surveys that this comes from, I encourage you to come up here and start putting in geographies. If I could, I need to spell. Here's Loudoun County, Virginia. We can then also put in Leesburg and it's gonna start popping up, okay? We can put in the state of Virginia. And we're gonna be doing this, but I just thought I kind of get you started on that. All right, so I'm going to come back out here. I'm gonna stop sharing and I'm just going to share again the slides. Okay, so again, please feel free to go ahead and um, take a look at, so go ahead and take a look at that tool while I'm talking about this. So I'm gonna talk about the surveys, but I also wanted to spend just a moment to talk about some of the key definitions. So specifically, race, Hispanic origin, sex, um, foreign born and ancestry. So these are gonna be um, the same throughout all of our all of our data. Okay, so this is these key definitions are what you are going to see with no matter where the data is coming from, this is what you're going to be able to see. So the first thing I do want to stress that all these things have in common is self-identification. So um, people, no one goes into someone's home and says, you're this, you're this, you're this. Everyone are, is asked. They're asked to complete the you know, the specific survey and answer to the, the way they want to describe themselves. So if we start with race, the Census Bureau collects um, race and ethnicity data according to the Office of Management and Budget Standards. So OMB defines race and ethnicity as two separate concepts. And it's going to generally reflect a social definition of race recognized in the United States. It's not an attempt to define race biologically or genetically. And like I said, everyone can self-identify. Um, it's recognized that the categories of race include racial and national origin or socio-cultural um, groups. So people may choose to report more than one race to indicate um, their racial mixture. And it is tabulated into five um, OMB categories. So as you can see, American Indian, Indian, Alaska Native, Asian, Black, Native Hawaiian, other Pacific Islander, and white. There also are two other categories that you will see and a lot of the data, which is um, two or more races and one or more race. So that's where people identified, they, it wasn't specified in the general data, but that's one of those things in data.census.gov that you can get more specific data of what other people identified as, okay? Um, this process, or uh, OMB um, in the spring, um, when, uh, under, underwent a process of collecting um, feedback from the community, from the country on um, people's, you know, what people want, proposals on what they wanted these de these definitions to, how they wanted them to be differently, how to be, ah, oh, sorry, let me start over, how they would like them to be different. Um, and so, or make changes to those. And so that process ended and now they're in the, um, now they're working on, um, I, you know, using all of that information and putting together what is going to best represent the wishes of all the different groups in our country that did submit those responses. Okay, um, so let's move on to um, Hispanic origin. And that can be viewed as, so let me just stress also, Hispanic origin is not a race. And I think sometimes people think that, but it's, it's not. It's actually heritage, nationality, group, lineage, or country of birth of the person's 
birth, country of birth of the person's birth or the person's parents or ancestors before their arrival in the U.S. Hispanic, Latino, Spanish are all used interchangeably. And so for tabulation in the data, you're going to see individuals are either of Hispanic, Latino or Spanish origin or not of Hispanic, Latino or Spanish origin. Okay. So foreign born, um, the Census Bureau collects data from all foreign born who participate in its censuses and surveys, regardless of legal status. So unauthorized migrants are included in Census Bureau estimates of the total foreign born population. However, it's not possible to tabulate separate estimates of unauthorized migrant or any other legal status category. Ancestry refers to a person's ethnic origin or descent roots or heritage, or the place of birth of the person or the person's parents or ancestors before their arrival in the United States. Okay. Um, so let's, uh, for sex, it's male or female. And right now the data is really, there is data that is available on same-sex couples and such, but the um, there we are now moving into a process for sexual orientation and gender identity research, specifically with the American Community Survey. And the Census Bureau is committed to collecting accurate data on all of our nation's peoples and families. So this year, this past year, 2023 this year, the Census Bureau has begun researching, adding questions about social, or excuse me, sexual orientation and gender identity to the American Community Survey. Um, the census or the decennial census has does collect that same sex. So you can find some same sex couple data in the decennial census tables. Um, but the American Community Survey is in that process of doing that. Um, and as a part of our ongoing commitment, we will provide our research findings as they become possible. And in addition, there's a really cool survey called the Household Pulse Survey. And that actually um, began during COVID to um, study how the pandemic and other emergent issues are impacting households from a social and economic perspective. And it has um, included questions about sexual orientation and gender identity. Um, and so Tracy is putting a ton of links in the chat Thank you for that, Tracy, that it, that has links for all of the things I've all these key definitions. Um, and in addition, it has a link where you can actually participate in a federal register notice to provide feedback on um, and comments on the proposed information collection. And that is due on or before November 20th. So I encourage you to, to definitely take a look at that um, as well. So let's go ahead. Um, first, let me stop. Does anyone have any questions about any of that? And oh, Megan, yes, please. Yeah, please go ahead. And Tracy, just interrupt me. Say there's a question, and I'll stop talking. <laughs> so, so just a quick question about the Household Pulse Survey because it mm -hmm. was um, something that was developed during the pandemic, kind of as a result of the pandemic. Um, will that continue on? Is that going to continue on into perpetuity now, or is there going to be a stop we're, date for that? We're hoping that it will. I do okay. believe it's ending this fall. It is data that's primarily at the national and metropolitan levels. Um, so do I have, Tracy, do I have that link for you in there for the Household Pulse Survey? Did I give that? If not, I will find that and 
Uh, I'll look. Okay, sorry, but yeah, put that in there. So yeah, mm -hmm. so I my hope our hope is that it will. Um, it I know that there is another data release coming up. It's about every two weeks that they release it, so there should be another one. So I will find out what is the plan for that. Okay, great, thank, thank you. Yeah. Uh huh. And it looked like Colleen, and then I think is it Patricia? Yeah, go ahead, Colleen. So I just have a question. The race and Hispanic origin questions always kind of trip me up. So oh. <laughs> when I read your FAQ, it says for race, a person like white, a person having origins in any of the original peoples of Europe, Middle East or North Africa. So why is Hispanic, Latinx or Spanish not part of race? Why is it separate? It feels like it's both origin, like based on origin of country of origin. Is it not or? No, it is. Um it's one of those things that was OMB determined that it was not. So that is something I know that is up for discussion about how to capture that in a different way. So I don't actually have the answer as to why they determined that it was not race. Um, I can definitely find that out for you. Um, but it, it's just it's never been considered a race. It's always been considered like an ethnicity idea. Um, so someone can say that they are white. And they can also say that they are of Hispanic origin. Okay. Um, so, and that's what they're, when you look at the data, definitely when we're in data.census.gov next week, you can see where people have responded, you know, that they may be Asian and Hispanic, you know, whatever, so they can identify to both. But that's a very good question. I don't have the answer as to why they have, why OMB determined that it's not a race, because um, that's, it's a really, you have a very good point. Um, but I can find that out for you for sure and have it for next week. Um, absolutely. You. It's just a tricky, this one's always kind of yeah. tripped me up. So Yeah, and I think if you can just let go of kind of off the record, like the logic and just go with this is the way it is. Like, it, I, I don't mean that to be flip in any way. Um, I hope that wasn't meant, it wasn't meant to be disrespectful in any way, but just say, okay, so someone can identify as a race and then they can say that they are Hispanic or not Hispanic in addition to that race. Okay. And that, because that's how the data, so it's really, you know, when you're dealing with data, it's, it's the facts, ma'am, right? Like, that's it. It's just what the data is. So if you, just as long as you understand the definitions behind that data, um, then I think that it would help clear that up. You know, just to kind of go, okay, it doesn't make sense, but this is the way it is. That has helped me kind of get over some of those hurdles. Does that yeah. help? Or It does. I think what's frustrating, and I'm sure a lot of people on this call feel this way, is that when you read a corporate grant, they use very different, you know, definitions. Yes. And so we try to always like fit in there, but it, it doesn't yeah. always work the way that you think it is. So that's, it's, it's no, always that's really frustrating. And I wonder if it's possible. I mean, really, that's, that's on them. I, I'll be honest. Like to me, this is most data, most surveys are, are at least I know, try to be in compliance. Like this is all the different agencies who produce the data. I know even like CDC has moved into this single race concept, you know, years ago they did that. So I think that the, I, you know, I don't know if you can ask them, say, could you, you know, the data is saying this, this primary source of data that we're getting is saying this, how do you recommend that we translate that to what you're asking. I don't know if that, it's probably something you've already had to do. So I'm not trying to tell you something you already know, but that might be, you know, that to me, put it back on them because these are pretty basic race categories, pretty simple. And they're, if they're trying to put their own spin on it, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Like this is the data um, and the primary data, definitely if you're using decennial census data. 
um, you know, that is something, you know, that's what we're really known for, even though we do all these others, which are just as important. But um, yeah, I, I'm not going to be adding anything that you already don't know, but that's kind of my take on it is to um, tell them this is what I'm finding you want, you know, this is the data, this is how it's categorized. Can you give me a, tra- a, wa- a crosswalk? You know, like, do you have a crosswalk of how to bridge that between what you're asking and what I have? Hopefully that, yeah. So, okay, Patricia, yeah. Yeah, and I apologize, I joined late, and maybe you covered this. My primary interest was to find out if in census data, you can look at a level that's lower than zip code. Oh, yes. Okay. Can, what, and how is that defined? Is that like by postal route or something? Okay. So um, we actually, if you, in a few minutes, um, once we do quick facts, I'm going to do a little geography lesson for narrative profiles. Great. And then Great. next week, if you're able to join us for data.census.gov, we will even deeper dive into that, those geographies as well. But there are, we have our own terminology, census track, we have we don't even say zip codes, we say zitkas, but it's essentially yeah. the same thing. We have z- census tracts, which is going to be lower than zip codes. Got it. And um, we have census block and census block groups. So block groups and then census blocks. So there's a graphic I have that will explain that. And you absolutely can find census tract data. You can find zip code data. You can absolutely. You're going to find that more um, in census, uh, data.census.gov, but you can find that in the narrative profiles, which we'll talk about briefly today. Okay. Great. Thank you. Perfect. You bet. Absolutely. So any of these are awesome questions. And it's why I want to put these key definitions in here, because I do think it's important to understand this data, where it's coming from, um, and, and what really are those definitions, especially, Colleen, if you're talking about that you're being asked to produce something that the data doesn't, there's no crosswalk for it, like it doesn't. And I know that's happened with health data and things like that, so it is important. And if you have questions, I am your data dissemination specialist. I am your face of the Census Bureau. Do not hesitate to reach out to me at any time. Email, and I will get back to you very quickly, and we can we can hash this out and figure this out together, okay? I don't have all the answers, but I can definitely find someone who might, okay? Any other questions? Just as a time check, too, or about... Um, yes, I know, yeah. <laughs> These are important, so we will move really fast. Um, you know, maybe we need to do like a part two or something, or I know we have time next week also together, so we could even follow up. So, Patricia, you had a real quick question? No, I'm sorry. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Your hand was, I apologize. Okay. That's there we no go. Idea. So let, okay. So let, so the other thing is you're going to get this slide deck um, and all of my notes. So, you know, you'll be able to take a look at this um, afterwards. Um, but let me just quickly go over as you, as we talked about, Quick Facts has the population estimate program. And that is the data that, um, is the official measures of population and housing units between decennial censuses, okay? So I'm gonna give just a brief overview because it's a very complicated program, but it's important for you to know that it it is an estimate of the population based on the most recent 
20, you know, the most recent disannual census, which was the 2020 census. So the POP estimates program produces estimates of the population for the U.S., states, counties, cities, and towns, as well as for the Commonwealth of Puerto Rico. And it's demographics of population change, birth, death, and migration. And it produces this using existing data, what we call administrative record data, such as birth, death, federal tax returns, medical, Medicare enrollment, and immigration, are, and that's used to update that decennial base count every year. So those POP estimates are used in federal funding allocations, setting national you know, levels of national surveys, and monitoring the recent demographic changes. Okay, so that's really all I wanted to spend on that. The links that Tracy's putting in the chat are for the really cool population clock. I think it's really cool. I love the visualizations. And then some really another really great visualization of uh, looking at the population estimates. So I'm, you know, if you have, and she's also putting some links in there that you can look at to get more information um, about it. Um, but it is, if you're, if you're using the population data from Quick Facts, that is a really good represented estimate of how many people are in your community. Mm -hmm. Again, when you're doing these application, these grants, you know, no data is exact. And most of the data we present are estimates except for the decennial data, okay, which is that, you know, the 2020 data was the most recent. All right. So the American Community Survey is the other primary survey, and that we're really only going to see that in narrative profiles. So the on so it is a ongoing survey. It happens every year. It started in 2005. And it was the long form for the decennial census, if anyone, if, if any of you remember that long form that you used to get with a short form. Now you just get a short form and 3.5 million addresses each year get the long form, the, essentially the long form. And it produces over 35 topics of variables and supports trillions of dollars in federal funding and 300 known federal government uses. So the important thing to know about with the American Community Survey is that there's really there's three data sets, primarily the two that we ever really look at. It's the one year AS, ACS data and the five year. So the five year is what's used in quick facts and narrative profiles. In data.census.gov, you have access to the one year as well. So we're going to talk about that more next week. But the five-year data is 60 months of data collection. It's an aggregate of all those, and you can get data all the way down to that block group, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. So it is, it's gonna be the least current of our data when you're talking about five-year, but because it's that aggregate, it is the most reliable, right? And so it's when you really need precision. Really? Yes, I'm sorry. Did someone say something or, oh, okay, I'm here. Oh, sorry about that if I'm hearing things. <laughs> I got really in the zone here. Um, if you are, if, you know, it's it's really gonna be best used when you have, like Patricia, you were talking about those lower geographies, you will always use five-year ACS data. If you can look at geographies over 65,000, then you're gonna have that one-year data. And as we move through, this will make more and more sense. And especially when we are, um, I'm going to go ahead and uh, get back into quick facts, especially when we are in day.census.gov, it will definitely become very clear. Um, so I'm going to share again and we're going to get back into the tool. Like I said, that was really fast. 
I just wanted to make sure. So hopefully you were all messing around in the tool while I was talking and talking, talking, because I want to go ahead and we've already got it loaded up with our Loudoun County, our Leesburg and your United States and Virginia. This setup right here would be really useful if you want to create like a nesting concept in your community profile. You want to talk about what's happening at the state, the county, and then this the the town level, okay? I would not recommend comparing these three pieces of data together. If you wanna compare, that's when you start loading in more than one town or more than one county in there. Or you can also put in the zip codes, more than one zip code in here as well. You can do up to six if you remember. And um, this is our table format and you can see all of this data. And again, I just wanna stress, you know, this is, I briefly went over the population estimates. This talks about that. And then we know that this is gonna be American Community Survey data because it is 2017 to 2021. And if we click on this, here it is, American Community Survey, okay? And this is all your information. This is great, because this gives you a definition of um, what of that specific variable, which is also very useful as well, okay? So let's just go ahead, I'm gonna show you the map. So all we have to do is click up here and we can choose, let's just go ahead and choose Loudoun County because that's where you are. And it takes just a moment to load it. And here we go. So you can actually, we know that this is all employer firms because that was the last thing I did. So if we come up here, we wanna do persons under five years. We now have that data right across the bottom here and you can see the grid. So we know in Prince William County has the most in here and we are, uh, Loudoun County is gonna be somewhere in the middle of these, right? If you would like to be able, excuse me, to start looking at some of these counties over here, all you have to do is click this right here, which I think is really useful. You can also zoom in and out as well. So you could come over here and you can add Montgomery County, Maryland, if you wanted to also take a look at what's happening in Montgomery County, Maryland. Then if we click chart, we can also choose what we want to look at for that chart. And it's also going to give you now all of the other counties in um, Virginia. So we can now look at Black African American alone. Now, if you look here, and again, this is really giving you just very, you know, this is kind of that more most popular. So when we get into um, day.census.gov next week, you're going to be able to get the white alone percent and Hispanic or white, white and Hispanic origin. Um, you know, right now it looks like they have white alone, not Hispanic or Latino. Um, and again, this is just very specific data, you know, that you're not getting everything. So that's what's important to remember. You're just getting some of it um, and you'll be able to get more specific when we get into data.census.gov. Um, and so you can see here is your chart and then here's that dashboard feature. So then we can come here and we want to just do Loudoun County and white alone percent. You can come up here and select whatever fact you'd like but it's showing you the map, the table, and the, the table and the chart. And then you can come here and you can share it by printing it, by downloading it as a CSV, 
And um, you can also then email this as well. All right. And you can screenshot it, whatever you would like to do. So let's go ahead. And do you mind loading in um, that first exercise? Actually, let's go ahead and do the second exercise because we kind of did this first one already. Does that work? Okay, so I'm yeah. going to go ahead Stacey? and yes. Uh, we had a question in the chat about like the amount of characters that the um, as you're trying to cite the um, source, like the amount of characters it would take up in a grant application, and um, uh, what pieces might be the most important to. Oh, include. that's really good. That's a really good question. Um, yeah, so I think that my guess, yeah, that's this takes up a lot, doesn't it? And they don't give you like a, they don't give you a way to have a, a thing at the end that's not a part of the count or anything like that. No, I'm sorry, I can't see. Let me pull up the teams here. There you are. So that I guess that would be I think the you know letting them identifying where it's coming from is the most important. So I I feel like I understand what you're saying that that that's going to limit um unless they allow you to footnote at the bottom. Um I'm not sure that that's what I would yeah. suggest typically um in citations you can provide footnotes that would not be that would not count as a character limit. Um, or end notes, which also would just be the citations. Um, <coughs> for, there, there's for there's really no way to do that in many grant applications. So I think it would depend on the grant application if it's a form um, such as ones that the county uses. There is no technical limit. If there are technical limits to federal grant applications, you can always upload an addendum um, as a separate form that would be a part of the application packet, typically. Right. For grants that do not allow addendums and have only spaces that you must supply the information, it's not free form. What do you suggest? May we put U.S. Census Bureau poverty statistics? Um, some of the some of the sources yeah. were were, yeah. were pretty were pretty yeah. reasonable, but the poverty one is like, you know, it's a huge paragraph on it. So. It is. So I think I think I think what you just suggested would be a good fix. And and just for yourself, make sure you know where it's coming from specifically, so that you when you if you're questioned on it, you can go right to it. Um, as long as you just census bureau poverty statistics, I think would be fine. Uh, you know, again, it, the best is is everything, but that poverty one, yes, the poverty one gets pretty long because it's multiple um, ones in there. So I think if you did that poverty statistics, that would, I, I guess that would it's going to be half what you do, right? Because you don't want to <laughs> take up all your your words in um in sources. So I think what you feel is going to be the best for you, and then also making sure you're 
tracking it so that you could easily reference it again. Because I know for myself, I'll get rolling in the data and I'll forget where I found stuff. Or I've had people email me and say, do you know where this table is? I'm like, no, (laughs) but I, I totally understand um, that, you know, that's, that's difficult to keep track because you get these rabbit holes of data. So if you can track it, where it's coming from, I think you'll be in great shape with that. But again, do what, whatever you feel is representative of how you want to present that data. Right. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. The fact that you're asking that shows like you are minded, you're thinking about responsible data use. So I think that's just my (laughs) biggest soapbox is making sure that we're, and I think everyone in this room today, we're all about responsible data use and how we're presenting it. That's very clear to me without question. So thank you for that question. Thank you. So, okay, so let's go ahead. So did you put that in the chat, Tracy, like the, the second one? Great. Thank you. Um, so we are going to look at, I'd like you all to do this. Oh, you know what? Go ahead and put the first one and I messed it up because we have to base it on there. So we'll try that one. We'll just have everyone do it themselves. Sorry about that. Can you stick that in there really quick, Tracy? Great. So what you're going to do is you're going to um, put in Virginia, Loudoun County. So clear out what I've already done, um, what I had already done. So I'll in order to do that, um, we can just go ahead and come up. Actually, I think you can just re-put it in here. Oh, let me get out of the dashboard. Hold on, that would help me a lot here. Just hit clear and you can start over, okay? So go ahead and put Virginia, Loudoun County, and Leesburg in there. And then I'd like you to take a look at the um, median gross rents across those geographies. Now, again, not comparing, I want us to look at, that's the wrong word. I should have caught myself when I say compare. Like you to look at the median gross income um, rents across those geographies. And I will do the same. I'm so sorry, can you repeat that again? And you're not asking us to compare the three you just want us to pull up leesburg i just want yeah that that wording is wrong i apologize on that exercise i didn't catch that so what i'd like you to do is in the search i'd like you to put in virginia and then go back into the search and i'd like you to put loudon county in and then i'd like you to go ahead and put leesburg in so you have those three different geographies up across the top up here and then i'd like you to find the scroll down and find which geography of those three has the lowest median gross rent and then which has the highest percentage of persons in poverty. And you can you can unmute and just if you've got it or if you're having any questions or problems. How's it going for everyone? Okay, a thumbs up from one person. No one's crying, so that's good (laughs) that I can see. Maybe they're off screen and they're crying. (laughs) Might be cursing me. Thank you. Someone gave me a thumbs up. Great. Does anyone have an answer yet? (laughs) (laughs) 
And you can just unmute. They're small enough that you can just unmute and, and yell it out if you'd like. Hi. So as you're doing, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Hannah. Sorry, I think the lowest um, gross rent is Virginia. Okay. And the highest poverty, persons in poverty is also Virginia. Okay. And again, this this one, um, you're going to be looking at that data now. If you wanted to really truly compare it, you would be able to put in maybe three or four different towns within the county of Loudoun County, or you can compare. Uh, yes, great job, Hannah. Sorry about that. Thank you, Tracy. <laughs> I completely forgot to acknowledge you even answered. Um, uh, thank you for that. Um, you could then you know, look at, at the different states so you can really truly compare. Right now, you're just going to be looking at this. Go ahead, Renee. I, I was wondering, so next week, will we be able to do, I don't even know it has this capability, but next week we'll be able to look at perhaps school boundary poverty? Yes. Awesome. Absolutely. Thank so you. So if you would like, um, Tracy, do you mind, I didn't put the link on the link document, but would you mind sticking data.census.gov in the chat for them? So I encourage you next before next week, if you're going to be joining us next week, get into data.census.gov, okay? Um, when I send the, um, the slide deck to Tracy, I will include a link for um, some data gems that you can watch so that you don't decide that it's too frustrating and you never want to see my face again. Um, you can use some look at some data gems, and so you have some familiar familiarity with data.census.gov. That would be great. But yes, Renee, that's we'll be able to find that data. You know, and I answer that with I don't know exactly what we'll find, um, but I know that data is in there. But again, a lot of there's some limitations with the geography um, and and so forth. Um, but that school put that kind of information if we can't find in data.census.gov i know there's a couple of other tools that we may be able to find it as well okay all right so in the interest of time let me hop out of quick facts and let's go into narrative profiles um and again i appreciate everyone's participation and um questions because this is making this even more fun so thank you for that all right, so narrative profiles is really cool. You can actually get it on your phone. So when I ask you to go into this tool, Tracy's gonna put the um, link in there, which is how you would access it from your laptop. And if you wanna pull your phone out, um, one time in a train, you get to use your phone. Um, and you can actually, in your, in your search engine, just put in narrative profile census and it will come up. And you, I'm going to show you what we can do with this. The cool thing about this is American Community Survey five-year data. So if you think back, that's going to be able to get you down to like the census track level, okay? And it's going to give you um, uh, charts and text. So it actually gives you narrative. So you could cut and paste this narrative on this basic data into your applications if you wanted to do that. There's no copyright on it as well in any way. So that's why it's so useful. So let's go ahead and just go to it. Um, I know Tracy has put that in the chat. So this is our narrative profiles. Oops, sorry, I have to stop sharing what I'm sharing here. Let me stop that and go here and then come up here. So narrative profiles, you get to it, just much like we did, the easiest way is to put narrative profile census and just scroll down a little bit 
And there it is right there. And this is what it is. It's really cool. Um, this is within our American Community Survey section of our of census.gov. Tracy's putting a ton of like two or three links for American Community Survey in, in the chat for you as well. This is a users group. I suggest that you join it. Um, it's a great way to have quite ask questions. And there's been there's like a listing of all the questions that have been asked. So you can search that. It's a very useful group to be a part of. So for this, we can choose state, nation, county, county subdivision, counties divide up into subdivisions, place or census tract. Okay, so let me come out of here really quickly and you all stay in the tool and start messing around in it if you'd like to. And um, I'm going to just quickly, I wanna go over geographies really fast. Oops, not that, let's see, where am I? Ah, lost everyone. Hmm, okay, where did you all go? Hmm. Okay. So Stacey. we're going to have to. Yes. Well, what did you need? I'm sorry. I I just can't find where you are on my screen. I think <laughs> I put you too low. So let's see if I can bring you all up. That's my issue. So I just put it too low so I can't stop sharing. So it's okay. We're going to um, do this. We're going to switch. Okay. And I should be able to then. Oh, here we go. There you are. Oh, so sorry, everyone, to have those technical difficulties. I don't usually like to have those. Okay, so here we are. Do you see the see this again? Okay. Yes. So let's just talk about geographies really quickly. So the geographies essentially nest, and we have our national up here. This is those zip code tabulation areas because you can get them throughout the nation. They are essentially the same as zip codes. We have our states, county, census tract, which is going to be 1,200 to 8,000 people, block groups, and census blocks, right? The block groups are going to be smaller than the census tract. This next slide is going to make it pretty clear. So here we have the county in Colorado called Sawatch County. So there's our county, this, excuse me, this is the state of Colorado right here. Then we have our county that is within the state. Then within that county are tracks. And then within the tracks are our block groups. And then the block is a part of the block group. So it's a nesting, all right? So if you kind of remember that, you can think about it that it just gets smaller, smaller, smaller to the next geography. And the zip code tabulation areas, essentially they're gonna be the same as zip codes, but they are calculated every 10 years based on the decennial data. So we had some that were just calculated again, just changed possibly um, uh, in 2020. The zip codes are postal service geography. Zip codes are ours. And they they it's really based on the most frequently occurring zip code. And it, they actually do like an aerial view of it when they do it. And the idea is so that, that it really does correspond to the census tract, like all the data just fits nicely within each other. So if your zip code is 21401, most likely, unless you're in a very rural area, your zip code and your zip cut are going to match. So you could 
put in the zip code, especially in quick facts that you're looking at, um, and it should and it sh it should correspond. Okay, if it doesn't, that's when you reach out to me and we'll figure out what's going on. But or in day.census.gov, there's a way to kind of check it, and we'll talk about that next week. Okay, so that was about the quickest geography lesson I've ever done. Um, I don't love that, but I think it will make sense as we move along. So let's go ahead and get back into the tool. Okay, so here is our narrative profile. So let's go ahead and just pick place right here. And we're going to choose our state to begin. And then we're going to choose our place. And let's just scroll down to Sterling, Virginia because that was one I had in my brain already picked. I can find it. There it is. So that's Sterling Census Designated Place is what a CDP is. This is just place, but the actual term for it is Census Designated Place. Incorporated, corporated, that do, those terms don't exist within our data, neighborhoods, don't either. So it's really um, important just to know to how to kind of translate that or crosswalk that. And that's one thing. If it's a place, it's going to be incorporated in unincorporated places. Okay. And now all we have to do is click on get narrative profile. And what's going to pop up eventually? We're scrolling. Oh, okay. Here we go. So it is broken down by different categories of the variables. So your households and families. So you can see right here, in 2017 to 2021, there were 9,500 households and Sterling census designated place, Virginia, Sterling, Virginia. And the ho average household size was three point quarter. I don't wanna see that quarter. Um, the married couple household you can see was made up of 56.7%. These are all going to be percentages because American Community Survey are estimates. And that's what's important to remember. Even when there is an actual number that corresponds to it, like right here, it's still an estimate. Um, and the only time you, you really have a count is with the decennial census, which again is a point in time. So any of the numbers from decennial census are from April 1st of that year, 2020. OK, so if you just remember that's estimates and that's the language that you use when you present it, then then it you're staying true to that what that data is. OK, so as we scroll down here, we can see they've got these great tables, um, charts, all of this you can cut and paste and put in and to to further explain what's happening in your community. Nativity, you know, the, the native and foreign born language. This is the language spoken at home. The thing I love about the data, pro, uh, the narrative profiles is that it tells you where it's coming from right here. So if we click this, we are now brought into data.census.gov. This is the tool that we'll be in next week. We are in the data profile, which is the selected social characteristics for the 2021 ACS five-year data. And then you can scroll and see where all this data is coming from. So here's your estimate, there's your percentage. And so this is really what we're gonna talk a lot about next week are these data profiles because they're so useful, okay? So we can come back over here and we can go right back to our narrative profiles. 
So this this would be something you could source this, which would be not too much of I know for Renee, you know, not too many characters. But again, it's you could actually just put DPO2 ACS 2021 if you wanted to five year data, something like that. OK, um, here's your geographic mobility. It's just a really a lot of really great information in here. All right, so I know we just have a couple more minutes. So yes, go ahead, Tracy. We had um, one question yeah, in the chat, yeah. and um, we talked about doing a training in this, but um, weren't sure. But uh, so Hannah was asking how Pums or Puma compares to ACS. Okay, that's a great question. So you're gonna get that um, Puma data in a tool called. Um, well, you can get it a couple ways, but primarily we get that from a tool called Microdata Access Tool MDAT which allows you for populations over 100,000, which is essentially what a, a Puma is, public use microdata. Um, and that um, public use microdata area, excuse me, and that is for areas 100,000. So in populated counties, an entire county could be uh, one Puma. Um, Prince George's County, I know, is seven Pumas, <laughs> so loud. Um, the counties over on the Eastern shore of Maryland um, four of them make up one Puma. So it just really depends on how that has been geographically determined. Um, and that usually happens, you know, every 10 years again with the decennial data. Um, but the we can definitely talk about a microdata access tool. There are trainings on the Census Academy um, that will walk you through that, or Hannah, you and I can have a discussion about that, but a microdata access tool allows access to raw data that is has been collected from the American Community Survey and the other survey called the Current Population Survey and allows you to cross-tabulate to your heart's content um, and create your own data sets, but it has to be with that 100,000 or more using the Puma data. So hopefully, does that answer what you were wanting? Thank you so much, Stacey. Yeah, I think I should reach out to you. Offline. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Uh, and we can, yes, and we can definitely set up a time. And then also, I know, Tracy, if we want to do an MDAT training, we can definitely do that as well. Um, uh, I do have one more follow-up question. Is the POOMS the only way that I could potentially identify um, population based off of HUD income limits? Because census data doesn't necessarily, they group their incomes differently than HUD income limits. So it's kind of difficult to identify who is a 30%, who is yeah. et cetera. Yeah, that should, you should be able to do that. Um, the microdata does not produce any percentages or margins of error. So that is something else that has to be taken into consideration. Um, but I think, yeah, we can definitely talk about that because um, I know I've had other people or heard some of my colleagues have people with those same questions on how to crosswalk that data. Um, and I, you could also reach out to whoever the grantee person or your contact is at HUD and re see what they recommend. How do you do that? Like, what do they, you know, is there some way to crosswalk that would be my question, but we can talk for sure. Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah, you're welcome. So, okay, so we are at 11.01. Where's everyone at? Do we want to um, stay on here? Do we, what would we like to do? Do you want me to show you one other really cool thing with narrative profiles and then we done? I, I can't see anyone's faces, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, Stacy, I have time. So if whoever would like to stay, um, 
they can stay and this will definitely be recorded. So if um, people want to watch before next week, if they have to jump off. Okay. Um, don't and, worry, you'll be able to see it still. Yes. And also, um, if you email me questions that you have, I can answer them next week, or we can answer them um, in a, a meeting together, or I just email, I can answer them in email. I really, like I said, I am your data person. So please do not hesitate to reach out to me. This is what I'm, I have one job, and that's to do what I'm doing. So <laughs> yeah. I, so let me, um, I, if you have to jump off, thank you so much for joining us. Um, I know Tracy has an evaluation if you'd like to complete that. And let me know if there's anything, you know, I could be doing differently. I loved all the questions. Thank you. And if you're staying on, let me just show you a really cool thing. The thing I really love about narrative profiles also. And I, so I just want to, while people are, are jumping off, to, to make sure that we thank Tracy and Barb for coordinating yes. and organizing this um, before everyone jumps off the, the recording. So um, just big kudos to, to you all and then make sure that that you tune in next week um, because this has been a really uh, exciting training. So thank you. And data.census.gov is fun. Uh, well, I know I'm a little bit of a geek, but yeah, it's fun <laughs> to find that data. So it can be frustrating, but it can be fun. Um, so, okay, so all you're gonna do here is you're gonna click change geography. And here you're gonna click use address lookup. And I'm just gonna put in an address and this is in an area that I live in, which is Annapolis. Ah, and it should be enough to get that. So, yep, there's our match found. Now, all we have to do is click, we have our census track number. We have our zip code. So if you remember, this is equivalent to the zip codes and census tract is that Geography level of between uh, uh, 4,000 and 8,000, okay? So here's our census tract. We now know this address is in the Cape St. Clair census-designated place. It's an unincorporated area. The sub county subdivision, and it's in Anne Arundel County. I have my metropolitan area and the state. So on any of these, I can click a narrative profile and get that profile for that specific census tract of Anne Arundel County, Maryland. So I put, this really works great on your phone, this, this feature right here, for sure. So um, in the slide deck that you'll be getting are the exercises that we, I was hoping we have a little bit of time to go through, but it's essentially, this is not a difficult, I don't think you'll have any problem doing this. And again, the, the, um, the slide deck talks about those geographies again and everything else like that. So, um, yeah, that was really fast. I can do a little bit more if you would like. Um, I'm not sure who oh, we do still have some people in here. Great. So. Is there anything else you'd like to go over or are we good for now? And I'll, hopefully we'll see some of you next week. Go ahead, Renee. Um, I was wondering, I, I really like that putting in the address feature. And I was wondering when you pull up that information, you know, how much are you capturing? For example, okay, I'm going to use schools because that's what I'm working with. If I were to put in the address of a school, is that going to pull up pretty much the school boundary information or is it totally unrelated? 
Well, let's give it. Um, do you have if you have the address of that school, um, and you put that address in here, mm -hmm. it will give you all of that information concerning that com the community that that address is in. So you may not get school data, but you're going to get all of the demographic data for right. that. Is that what you meant? Right. Does it encapsulate? Does it include the entire school boundary? Well, is, let's. Is it one and the same? Oh, like the school district, you mean? So, so for example, X people go to Sterling Middle School. Let's say. Mm -hmm. um, if I put in the address for Sterling Middle School, am I going to get everywhere from which? Sterling Middle School pulls, or am I going to overlap with another school, for example? Well, it would depend on if that's so. What the data you're going to be getting again is that, like, um, let me just put the address in again. I just showed you. Um, you're going to be getting the census tract that mm -hmm. you're not getting any school, um, like the school, not the school district, but the school service area is what I was trying to right. think about. You're not going to get specific information about that. Um, so but what you would have to, that. you'd have to probably go to the Board of Ed and find out like what zip codes they pull from, what census tracts are in their school service area. And mm -hmm. then you would be able to build your information from that. Does that make sense? Okay, so go that way. That's what I would recommend um, because I know that school boundaries are ever changing. Renee, <laughs> yeah. Renee we did a, another training. Um, actually, I think it was the one right after Stacy's about accessing Loudoun County data. And there is a tool within the Loudoun County government that shows um, school boundaries. Mm. So I, I just need to dig back through my notes, but I will get that for you. So then you could, that's great. Thank you. So you could take what that, diff, that tool. Okay. And if you get the census tracts from that or the zip codes, then you would be able to use that, th that information and put together your profile or your data for that school boundary, the, the school service area. That will save a couple steps. That's wonderful. Yeah. So then and then that way you I would I would say if you want the narrative already done for you, then you could use this tool. But it might be useful to to see if you can get that between now and Tuesday. And um, we could actually do that as an exercise in the data.census.gov. Um, that might you know that we could actually pull in data.census.gov. We can pull those specific if you have the specific zip codes. That's the best way, is it? is to go in into that tool with specific zip codes, zip, zip codes, which would then correspond to the Zitka mm -hmm. or the census, specific census tracts that it covers, mm -hmm. then we could look at specific language spoken at home data, how many people commute, how many people have cars, how many people work, um, what is the age, what's the educational attainment, um, all those different things we'd be able to get based on that census track, those census tract and those zip codes. Great. I would love to do that exercise. Okay. Yeah. So if you want to, then I'll just make sure we have time to do that. And now I think that would benefit a lot of people. I'm assuming a lot of people have to probably look at it from that standpoint, or that's again, it's just a, to me, a, a great app showing the great application of how to use this data. A lot of it, you know, you have to make it work for you in terms of, um, you know, we were talking about earlier with Colleen, you know, the question of how do you 
walk, you know, crosswalk that between what you're being asked. And I think nowhere in our data does it say such and such community or neighborhood. So you have to then think, okay, what's what's a neighborhood made up of? Well, neighborhood is usually made up of community, you know, census uh, community, the block, the blocks, block groups, or the um, census tracts um, are also going to make up a neighborhood. And so then you can kind of start constructing it from that standpoint. Thank you so much. Any other questions? Okay, well, I'm, again, I, I'm, my dog is quiet in my window behind me, so I can sit here for a while, <laughs> whatever anyone Thank would like. <laughs> I, Casey, thank you so much. Um, I'll, I'll stop the recording now, but I think, um, I just love how excited you get about data and how you <laughs> communicate a topic like that <laughs> to, um, to everyone. I think so it's really, so much. yeah, just, I know that this, I know that people are trying really hard to, to show the need and, and it sometimes it's not as easy as I think it should be to show that need. So it is important to, to be able to kind of do this together in a lot of ways. So if anyone does have, um, Oh, thank you, Marcy. If anyone does, and Laura, thank you also for your comments. Um, if anyone does have questions that they'd like me to try to address for next week, like specific, um, uh, not struggles, but specific things they're trying to kind of crack for their this uh, particular grant, just email me and let me know. And I can do a little data searching before, and we can even just use that as our point. Like we can do that with uh, Renee. If you send me that stuff ahead, um, we can actually create some real life exercises based on that, because I, my hope was today, if we did a little bit of this talking about the American Community Survey, I don't have to talk about or the geographies. I can just reinforce it as we're walking through. And I know there'll be people there that maybe weren't here today, but hope is that we could spend most of the time in data.census.gov. So. All right. Thank you, everyone. This is a lot of fun. I really appreciate